this week's Parsha is Parsha's Yisroi and we will start of chapter 18, Pasuk number 12. There it says that after Yisro came to the Jewish people, Vaikach Yisroi Choysen Moshe, Yisroi, the father-in-law of Moshe, took Oilahuzvachim, elevation offerings and feast offerings, the Elohim to Hashem, Vayavoy Aharon Vachol Zikna Yisrael, Aharon and all the elders of Israel came, Lecholechem to eat bread, in Choysen Moshe, with the father-in-law of Moshe, in front of Hashem. The question that we are going to ask is that it says that Yisrael brought only elevation offerings and feast offerings and then it says that Aharon and the elders came to eat bread. The Torah should have just said that Yisrael brought elevation offering and feast offerings and Aharon and all the elders came to join Yisrael in that feast that they came to share in that meal. Why is it important to say specifically that they came to join in the bread, that they came to eat bread together with Israel? What is the point of the bread? Also, we're going to try to explain what kind of bread did they bring. Is this the manna that fell automatically to them every morning and they decided to give honor and they ate this manna, this bread together with Israel? or this is some special bread that they ate. Before we answer this question, we are going to go to the beginning of the Parsha, where it says, Vaishma Yisroi Koye Midian. There Rashi brings down that Yisroi had seven names. The name was Reuel, Yasser, Yisroi, Choivev, Hever, Keni, and Potiel. Rashi brings that from the Mechilta, and he says that Yasser which means more Hashem Sheyitra Parshas Achas Batoira, because it was added because of him a special parsh in the Torah, which is Vato Sechze, where he gives advice to Moshe Rabbeinu about the appointment of judges. Just a quick aside, Mefarshim explained that you should not think that had Yisrael not given the advice to put judges, that portion would not come in the Torah. Mefarshim explained that that is not so that Hashem would have put this portion in the Torah anyways. But there is a rule, Megalgal in Zechus al Zakai, that we give merit to the meritors. Therefore, because Yisrael merited, he merited to have this parsha written through him. The same idea that the daughters of Tzalavchot merited to have the parsha of inheritance written through them, so too Yisrael merited to have this parsha Vato that advice to put judges through him. But had he not given this advice, you would have had it in the Torah anyways. Now going back to Rashi, Rashi says that the name Yisroi, with Avav at the end, happened when Yisro converted and he kept the mitzvahs. Then they decided to add a special letter, the Vav, on his name. And we are going to try to answer why specifically did they add a Vav. But another aside, from here you see that even if your name is already changed and is already Jewish sounding, but once you convert, you require to have that original name changed somehow, that Yisrael was already called Yeser, which is a proper name. But nonetheless, after he converted, it was changed to Yisroi because it's not good enough to have just Yeser. Upon conversion, you require to change something even if it's a small letter. 
you're required to have something extra, the Vav extra. Meforshim, use this as proof that you are required to change your name upon conversion, that you're required to add a name, change a, change a letter, add a letter, but you cannot maintain the same name as you had before. For example, if your name was Joseph before, you're required to change it somewhat. Going back to the Rashi, Rashi explains that Israel was also called Chovav because Chibbev is a Torah, that he beloved the Torah. And the other four names, Rashi doesn't explain, Rashi doesn't say why is he called Hever, why is he called Keni, why is he called Reuel, and why is he called Potiel. Going back to our question, how come they decided to add specifically the Vav when Yisroel converted? How come they didn't add the hay like Abraham got the hay when was changed his name? Or Sarah got a hay when the name was changed? How come here they decide to put a Vav? The Balturim answers, one answer is to tell you what Rashi says. Basically, Rashi says that Yisroel had seven names. So Yisra means Yeser Vav, that is going to have another six names. So the word Yisra implies that besides this name itself, Yisra, he has another six names. The other interpretation the Baal Turin brings down is that the numerical value of Tav Reish Vav from Yisra is 606. The Tav is 400, the Reish is 200, that's 600. And the Vav at the end is 6. That's 606. The Balaturim says that Yisro came to accept 606 mitzvahs extra of the 7 Ochaid laws. 606 plus 7, that's 613. So Yisro came to accept the 606. Plus, he came right before the Ten Commandments, right before the Yud. So he accepted the Ten Commandments and the 606 mitzvahs that a Jew has in addition to the 7 Ochaid laws. The only problem with this Balaturim that these Ten Commandments are included in the 606. They are included in the 613 mitzvahs that we have. We don't have 613 mitzvahs plus 10. We have 613 mitzvahs including the Ten Commandments that we got, the Seres Adibrois. Then why would you call Yisroi Tofresh Vav, which means 606 more than the Noahide, and then you add the Yud which is the Ten Commandments. It doesn't make sense to add the Ten Commandments. But nonetheless, the Balaturim says that. But the Gur Arya, the Maral, gives a beautiful interpretation why is it called Yisroi. He says that it's called Yisroi Favav because now Yisroi is numerical value 616, which is the Yud is 10, the Taf is 400, that's 410, the Reish is 200, that's 610, and the Vav is 6, so that makes it 616. And we know we have 630 mitzvahs they're supposed to keep, but a convert has three special mitzvahs. He has a mitzvah of circumcision, he has a mitzvah to go to the mikveh, to immerse himself in water, he has a mitzvah to bring a sacrifice. Even nowadays, when we don't have a Beis HaMikdash, we do those two things to a convert, we circumcise him, and we put him in the mikveh, and we tell him that when Moshiach comes, they will have to bring a sacrifice. We see clearly that a convert has got these three extra mitzvahs. Therefore, with 613 plus 3, so Yisro accepted on himself 616 mitzvahs. Therefore, his name was called Yisroi. Ah, the Maral asks a question, 
Wait a minute, the same question that I asked on the Rambam, that if the Ten Commandments are included in the 630 mitzvahs, the mitzvah to circumcise is also included in the 630 mitzvahs because we have a mitzvah of Mila. Then how can you say that he had 616, he technically only has 615? Maral says that the mitzvah that he has in the Torah to circumcise is only to circumcise his children. To circumcise himself because he's a non-Jew, that he never has the mitzvah, and he comes and he takes upon himself to convert, then he's accepting one extra mitzvah. Therefore, he actually has 616. The mitzvah that he has in the Torah means that when he has children, then he has to circumcise his children. But to circumcise himself and convert, that's not one of the 630 mitzvahs. We have no mitzvah to have people convert. Therefore, since he decided to convert and he accepted on himself 616 mitzvahs, the 630 mitzvahs that is written normally, plus the three extra mitzvahs, which is circumcision for a convert, immersion in the mikveh, and bringing sacrifices, therefore they change his name to Yisroi with Avav, which numerical value is 616. Other Mepharshim explained that they didn't want completely to change the word that was before, since Yeser was given after he put a parish in the Torah, they didn't want to completely remove that idea, so they added the Vav, which makes the word Yoter more, which is almost the same idea as Yeter as more. Therefore, they didn't change completely by putting a hey. They decided to just put a Vav, which now makes it more complete or more, that either because he became more by accepting Judaism or because he became more because he added the extra parish in the Torah therefore they decided to put the name Yisroi with Avav but we're going to try to give another answer why he got specifically the name with Avav we now go to chapter 18 Pasuk 6 where there we're going to have to give Rashi's translation the Pasuk says Vayoymer el Moshe he said to Moshe I'm your father-in-law Yisroel. I'm coming to you. And your wife, Ushnevoneo, and her three children, Imo, are with her. Rashi right away says, what does it mean, Vayoymer el Moshe, he said to Moshe? It cannot mean that he said directly to Moshe Rabbeinu, because if he said to Moshe Rabbeinu, he doesn't have to say, I'm your father-in-law Yisroel, I'm coming to you. You see who I am. And Moshe Rabbeinu knew who his father was. So Rashi says, Ali de Shliach, that he sent him through a messenger. That Yisroi sent a messenger to Moshe Rabbeinu to let him know that he is coming. Please come out and greet me. The Ramban explains that this wasn't just a message. The Ramban says that he sent the message in a letter. Because the Ramban says, Sholach loy hadavor beigeres kosov bokein. That he sent to Moshe Rabbeinu a letter saying this way, because otherwise the word would have not been, I'm your father-in-law, Yisroi. If you sang from a messenger, you would have said, your father-in-law, Yisroi, is coming to you, not I'm your father-in-law, Yisroi, is coming to you. The fact that the Torah writes down as the message as, Ani senho Yisro bo I, your father-in-law, Yisroi, am coming to you, Obviously, not only did he send for a messenger, but he actually had to send a letter to them to say these words. And in the letter was written, I, your father-in-law, Yisroi, am coming to you. 
another aside and by the way I'm giving these asides this week for you to realize that even though Yisro seems to be just a plain story but there are a lot of deep Allahic rulings because of this story and deep Allahic connections to the story and deep Musar to be learned from the story. The Shalos and Shuvas Chasam Soifer Chelik Yerdaya Simeresh Chov Zayan 227 wants to bring proof from these words of the Ramban that Yisro sent the message through a letter to Moshe Rabbeinu. He wants to prove that since the Torah calls it Vayoymer El Moshe as Yisro would have spoken directly to Moshe Rabbeinu even though the message according to the Ramban came in writing he wants to prove from there that when you send something in writing is as good as you'd have said it. And he goes into arguments back and forth but that is the idea that he takes down from this Ramban that the Ramban would hold that when you send something by letter is considered as you would have said it. The Cheskune because of the problem that the Jewish people were under the Anana covers the clouds of glory and the clouds of glory protected any stranger from coming in into the encampment therefore he brings a medrash that Yisro took an arrow he tied a note to it like the Ramban says that it was via a note and he threw the arrow inside the encampment and Moshe Rabbeinu received that arrow and he was able to see that Yisro is waiting outside the encampment for him to come in and then Moshe Rabbeinu came to greet him outside the encampment. The Torah Latoira asks a question on the Madrash that the Cheskuni brings. How is it possible that Israel threw an arrow because he could not go in? We know clearly that Anana Kovet received all the arrows that were thrown against them. Then if he couldn't go in, then how does it help for him to send an arrow? The arrow would not penetrate anyways. Sefer Shemen Roish asks another question. On Pasuk number 7, it says, Vayetze Moshe Kras Chosnoi. Moshe went towards his father-in-law, Vayishtachu, and he bowed down, Vayishak Loi, and he kissed him. Vayishalu Ishle Re'eu Leshalom. Ishmen asked the other one for peace. In other words, they said hello to each other. Vayuvoyo Ohela, and they came to the tent. Rashi says, Bekovet Godolin is Chabet Yisroi, Boisoshah, that Yisroi got a great honor in this time. That since Moshe Rabbeinu went out to greet Yisroi, obviously Aharon Nadavavil also went out, and anybody that saw them going out, obviously is going to go out too. So Yisro had a huge reception committee, and he had a great honor that all these people came out to greet him. The question is that he asks, it seems that Yisroi was asking for this honor, because Yisroi sent a letter that I am coming, come to greet me because if he wasn't seeking honor he should have just showed up in the tent and automatically everybody would know that he's there but by him sending a letter and preparing come out to greet me obviously seems that Israel was seeking honor and is that true was Israel really seeking honor and then in pasuk number nine there it says Vayichad Yisroi al kol that Israel became happy and all the goodness Rashi says Vayichad is from language of becoming happy. In the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Tzadik Dalet or Medalev, 94a, brings in the name of Rav, Shehevir Cherev Chado Al Besoroi, that Yisroi 
brought a sharp knife on his flesh, which means that he circumcised himself. Then Rashi says, that he was happy on all the goodness. What does it mean that he was happy in all the goodness? That the goodness that Hashem gave them the man, that Hashem gave him the well, and Hashem gave him the Torah, and that must be according to the opinion that Tisra came after the Torah was given. But nonetheless, if he came before the Torah was given, we have to say that he rejoiced on the man and the well. The question is that according to Rav, that Rav says that he circumcised himself, Vayichad is from the word sharpness, that he circumcised himself, how do you explain the continuation of the Pasuk? That he circumcised himself because of the goodness of the man that Hashem gave to the Jewish people. How does that work? Unless we say that there is two separate rush. He circumcised himself because of the goodness of the Jewish people. Therefore, you have to explain that he wanted to become part of the Jewish people. But Sefer Shemen Roish is trying to explain that even according to the opinion that says Vayichat, that he circumcised, I could still say that he circumcised because of all the goodness that Hashem showed means the man. Sefer Shemen Roish explains that Yisroel was afraid that if he would come to the Jewish people to ask for conversion, the Jewish people would not accept him as convert. Because it's written in the Gemara in Yevamas, Daf 24b, that we do not accept converts in the time of Moshiach. boy, the same idea, they did not accept converts, the times of David Amelech, the times of Shlomo Melech, where the Jewish people were the elite of the world. At that time, we are afraid that, that people who are coming to convert don't have the proper intention. We are afraid that they are only coming to join us in order to be the elite of the people, but they are not doing it in order to serve Hashem. Therefore, we do not accept converts in those times. Yisroel thought that if he comes to approach the Jewish people directly, they won't accept them as converts, because now that Hashem made all these miracles, that's why he's coming to convert. But before, he wouldn't come to convert. Therefore, when Israel says, Ki ato yodati, on Pasuk number 11, Now I know, Ki God Hashem Lukim, the Hashem is greater than all gods. And Rashi says, Makiri that I knew him before, and now I know him more. So obviously, that clearly showed the Jewish people that Israel's intention to conversion was proper. That even before the miracles of Egypt and Yamsuf, he was already connected to Hashem. And now that Hashem made those miracles, he is even more connected. Therefore, he deserves to be converted because he's not just doing now that the Jewish people are on top. He even had those thoughts when the Jewish people were slaves. And then he says another simon, another sign that Israel was a proper convert is because it's written on Dvarim, Pasha's Kiseitze, the Pasha's of Amalek, chapter 25, Pasuk number 18, that Amalek came, Vaizanev Becha, Kol Hanechsholim Acharecha. He struck all the weaklings at your rear. Rashi explains what does it mean, weakling at the rear, from what were they weak. Rashi says, Machmas Chatam, because of their sins, because the clouds of glory used to kick them out. That every time somebody sins, 
the clouds of glory pushes him out. And if they are out of the clouds of glory, they don't enjoy protection. Then a Moloch is able to hit the people that were expelled by the clouds of glory. Not only that, the Madesh Tachuma in the end of Kiseitze also says that the whole Shevet done was outside the Anon, outside the cloud of glory. Because why? Madesh Tachuma says because of the Pesel Micha. When Paroi decreed that they should put bricks on the wall and any person that doesn't meet his quota, they will put a child to fill up his quota. Moshe Rabbeinu came to Hashem and complained, Hashem, why are you taking these children? Why are you killing? They are innocent children. Hashem tells them that I know that these children will cause great sin. Let them die innocent and not die guilty. Moshe Rabbeinu says, I want to try out. So Hashem says, take a child out. Moshe Rabbeinu took a child out and this child took the idol of Micha and went with the idol of Micha across the sea and he was from the tribe of Dan. Therefore, because of the idol of Micha, the whole tribe of Dan did not enjoy protection of the clouds of glory, according to Medesh Tachuma. Are you going to ask me if that is true? How come the tribe of Dan did not investigate to see how come they don't have the clouds of glory? They knew that if you sin, you don't have the clouds of glory, and they don't have the clouds of glory. They should have checked to see what's wrong, and they would have found the Pesel Micha, and they would have thrown it out. How come they didn't go to check out to see how come they don't have the clouds of glory? The answer is that tribe of Dan really thought that the reason that the clouds of glory doesn't cover them is because they have to be the one to teach the other people how to behave. That since tribe of Dan was massive, Kolamachanot was a gatherer of all the encampments, so Dan thought the reason they don't have the clouds of glory is because since the Erevrav, the mixed multitude has to learn how to behave and they will be the proper teachers for them and they cannot be the teachers if they are under the clouds of glory since the Erev Rav, according to the Zohar in Parshish Kisiso, did not have protection from the clouds of glory. Therefore, the tribe of Dan thought that they are the ones that are supposed to teach them how to behave. But nonetheless, we see that the clouds of glory only covered people that are proper. Israel saw this whole group of people that cannot go into the encampment because they cannot get the cloud of glory. Israel thought that he is part of those people. Therefore, Israel had to send a message to Moshe Rabbeinu, come outside the encampment and get me. Once Moshe Rabbeinu comes outside the encampment and brings them, as it's written in Pasuk number 7, that Vayovoyo, they came back to the tent. Then everybody saw that Israel gets the cloud of glory. And if Israel gets the cloud of glory, obviously he must be worthy for conversion. And therefore, only afterwards, Vayichad Israel, Israel converts. Up to this point, Israel cannot convert because he doesn't know for sure if they're going to accept him or not. But now that the clouds of glory covered him, because he came to the tent in the encampment, the clouds of glory covered, now he could definitely convert. And that answers the question, how come Israel is sent out from Moshe Rabbeinu? He wasn't really asking for honor. He wasn't sure that he's going to be accepted as a convert or not. And the only way that he was accepted is by Moshe Rabbeinu coming out and bringing him back. And that's the way that he was accepted. Sefer Shemeroish asks a very simple question. He says that we know that the clouds of glory protected the Jewish people from all sides. Yes, a question, how is it possible that manna would penetrate the clouds of glory and fall from heaven? 
how can mana fall if we are protected from the clouds of glory that even arrows it captures? How is it possible that the mana should fall? Therefore, Sefer Shemeroish brings the Targumentism Benoziel on Shema 16, Pasuk number 14, that there the Targumentism Benoziel explains that the procedure of the man falling was as follows. First, the northern wind came and dispersed the clouds of glory and also swept up the desert. Then the rains came and cleaned up the earth. Then the dew came, fell on the earth, it became like golden tables. And on top of that dew, the manna fell. So he asked a question, wait a minute, if you're telling me now that the winds blew and dispersed the clouds of glory, the northern winds blew and dispersed the clouds, that contradicts the Gemara in Yevomus 71a. The Gemara there says, a famous Gemara, that the Jewish people during the desert years did not circumcise. The Gemara says, why didn't they circumcise? The Gemara says, because the northern wind did not blow. And since we require to have the northern winds in order to heal ourselves, therefore they could not circumcise. Because it was the Karnas it was a danger for life. Sefer Shemeroish asks, we just mentioned now that everyday procedure is that the northern wind blew and dispersed the clouds in order for the manna to be able to fall. Then what kind of excuse is it that during the 40 years of the desert we did not circumcise because there was northern wind? According to Targumian Simbanuziel, the northern wind blew every day. Every night before the manna fell, the northern wind dispersed the cloud. Therefore, Sefer Shemerosh explains that there is no question why the Jewish people could not circumcise. Because the Gemara in Megillah of Omed Aleph says that that in the eighth day you require to make circumcision. We learn only by day and not by night. That the mitzvah to make circumcision is after the Neisachama, after the sun shines. And he explains that the procedure that the northern wind dispersed the cloud in order for the manna to fall happened during the night. Therefore, the Jewish people could not take advantage of the northern wind blowing in order to circumcise. True that the northern wind blew, but it only blew at night in order to disperse the cloud for us to get the manna. But by day it did not blow. Since it did not blow by day, we couldn't do circumcision because it was risky. Sefer Shemeroish says that now we have a problem. We just mentioned that Yisro called Moshe Rabbeinu because he was afraid that he won't be covered by the cloud of glory. Moshe Rabbeinu brought him to the tent in order to ascertain that he is a righteous person and is worthy of the clouds of glory. Comes out that now Yisro has the clouds of glory before circumcision. The question is how can Yisro go to circumcise it's danger to circumcise you're not allowed to put yourself in danger. Yisro now has a theoretical problem. How can Yisro go and circumcise once the clouds of glory go on top of him? He doesn't have the northern winds and he's required to have the northern winds in order to heal. Then how can he go and circumcise? Sefer Shemeroish answers based on Ayal Kudon Tehillam 78, Pasuk number 25. There the Pasuk says, Lechem abirim ochal ish, that Hashem gave bread of angels to mankind. In other words, bread of angels mankind ate. And normally we would say that this is talking about all the Jewish people eating manna in the desert. But the Yalkut Shimoni, Simon, tough, tough, you test, brings on this pasuk, Omar Abeivu Abeivu says, Beshe Shois, Bo Yisroi, 
Yisro came in the sixth hour, which means 12 o'clock in the afternoon. And Hashem made a miracle that man fell for Yisro on the sixth hour. As much man as 600,000 Jews. Meaning that normally the manna fell early morning before the nets. But now, because Hashem wanted to show the Jewish people how worthy Yisro is, Hashem made a miracle and the manna fell in the middle of the day in the merit of Yisro. So everybody will see that Yisro is virtuous and he deserves to be converted. And that's what it means, Lechem Abirim, the bread of heaven or of the mighty of all the Jewish people, Ochal Ish, a single person ate. In other words, Hashem let the manna fall because of one single person. Manna fell for all the Jewish people at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Sefer Imreish from Rabshmiliyao Taub, the Majitz Rebbe, explains that this that is written first, Oile Zvachim, that Yisra brought sacrifices, and then it's written that the elders came to eat bread and not the sacrifices is because the elders wanted to hint to Yisro or to the Jewish people a special message. And that message is the same message that is brought in Gemara Chagiga, Davchov Zion Omedalev, 27a. There the Gemara brings Apostle Yechezkel, chapter 41, Pasuk number 22. There Yechezkel Novi is explaining the vision that he had from the angel who guides him and instructs him regarding the arrangement of the third base Amikdash. And there the angel is describing the shulchan, the table. But before he describes the table, he actually starts with the word hamizbeach, because the pasuk says, hamizbeach eats, the mizbeach is made of wood, sholosh amois govoya, three cubits high, vo'arkoish time amois, and its length is two cubits, in its corners, the orko in its land, the kiroisov and its walls, eights are made of wood. And then the apostle continues, that the angel told me, that this is the table in front of Hashem. So obviously the question is that it starts describing the Mizbeach, and in the end it says that that this is the table. That's what the Gemara asks the question. Posach by Mizbeach, he starts the Posach from Mizbeach, the Siyam Beshulchan, and he finishes with a table. So the Gemara answers, Rabbi Yochav Rishlokish Domitraveyo, Rabbi Yochav Rishlokish both say the same thing. When the Bishamikdash is standing, then Mizbeach Machaper Al Odom, then the altar, the way you brought your sacrifices, what you felt when you brought your sacrifices, that it was atoned for people. Achshov, now that we don't have a Beis Amikdash, so we don't have a Mizbeach anymore to atone for us, the table of a person atones for him. That the way a person acts at his table, how many guests he invited, how he behaved at the table, was he angry, did he scream, did he speak Lashon Hara on the table, how you act on your table, that is what atones for you, and that is how you could elevate as a Mizbeach. That if you act properly, your table becomes an atonement for you as Mizbeach. And by the way, that is one of the reasons why we add salt to our meals at the table. Because since our table now is a Mizbeach, and in the Pasuk says 
that no use sacrifices, you have to add salt, so therefore we add salt at our table. The Imre Eish explains that the same question the Gemara talks there could be the same answer here. That here we start with sacrifices. And in the end, we just end with bread to tell you that sometimes the sacrifices will atone for you and sometimes the bread is going to atone for you. That when there is no base amigdash, the bread is as equivalent to the sacrifices. And then the Imre'esh says something even deeper. And he says that it's written a pasuk in Mishle, chapter 3, pasuk number 6, Bechol derochecho deyu, that in all your ways you should recognize Hashem. Meaning that everything that we do, we have to do at L'Shem Shomayim, and we have to know that Hashem is present. For example, we have a law that we have to put our right shoe first, and we have to tie our left shoe. And the reason we do it is for us to be able to have a connection with Hashem all the time, even when we are not performing mitzvahs, even when we're not doing something holy, we're trying to elevate everything that we do, every action that we do to a level of holiness, to a level of connection to Hashem, so we'll become spiritually enhanced by us connecting, even our tying our shoes to Hashem, that elevates that act itself. Now you're going to ask me, how does tying my shoe connect me to Hashem? The answer is that we put the right shoe first because Hashem gave us the Torah with the right hand. Therefore, we have to value the right side more. But we want to remember that the film is tied on the left hand. So therefore, we're making a knot on our shoes. We're tying our shoes we tie the left shoe first. Basically, we're trying to connect every mundane action that we do with Hashem. That everything we do, no matter how mundane, how simple it is, you have to try to connect it with Hashem. And that is what the Ramban says, Kadoshim Tiyu, that you should be holy. The Ramban explains, Kadesh Atzmecha Bemutarlach, that you should be holy in what it's allowed to you. In other words, not only that you shouldn't do excesses, that if you're allowed to eat something, you shouldn't be gluttonous and you should do excesses, but also that whatever you do, even though it's not a mitzvah, you eat a meal, even though eating a meal technically is not a mitzvah, but you have to infuse holiness in that meal, so that meal will be elevated in a level of Kedusha. So Kedoshim Tiyu, you should be holy, Bamutalach, what is allowed to you? Even things that are allowed to do, we should make sure that we infuse holiness in that. And that's what I mentioned previously from the Zohar, Ekev, Reisha in base, that the word Lechem, that we're eating bread, comes from the word Milchama, from the word War, Lochem. And the idea is that every time that we sit to eat bread, by us enhancing our physicality, because we are eating, and eating is a physical we sway the balance inside you, which you usually are made of physical and spiritual, and they're always fighting each other. Therefore, we are at war every time we eat physical food, we take an intake of physicality. And at that point, we have to make sure that we act properly and infuse holiness to it. 
we have to be aware that when we're eating bread, we are involved in a war, the war between our physicality and spirituality, and we have to make sure that our spirituality wins. We have to make sure that we get holy and we override our physicality. And he explains that's why on Shabbos, since we have a mitzvah of Oynik Shabbos that we have to eat and drink, we have a special Allah on Shabbos that it's written on Psachim 106a, says that we have to remember the Shabbos to sanctify. How you remember the Shabbos? We have to remember the Shabbos of wine, which means that we have to make Kiddush over wine in order to sanctify the Shabbos. And we know there is a Locha that ain't Kiddush Suda, that every time you make Kiddush, you're required to have a meal. So the Imreish explains the idea is for you to know that every time you have a meal, you're required to make Kiddush. Not that every time you make Kiddush, you're required to have a meal. Every time you have a meal, you should make Kiddush. The idea that Hashem told us that we should make Kiddush Pemokim Suda is for you to know that every time you have a meal, you have to become holy. You have to make sure there is a Kiddush, a sanctification of Hashem, either by saying proper words of Torah or by singing praises to Hashem, Zmiros, or by inviting guests to your table or even by just saying the proper blessings on the food and acting in an appropriate way, automatically you'll be able to sanctify that meal and elevate that meal as a service to Hashem. And he explains that this was the Machloikas, this is what the message that Aharon and the elders wanted to give to Yisroi. Yisroi, because he was a priest for Avodah thought that the only way to be connected to Hashem the only way to get close to Hashem is to bring to Hashem a sacrifice. You bring an elevation offering, you bring the feast offerings, but you bring offerings to Hashem. That's the only way that you are able to connect spiritually to Hashem in the same way that you brought different sacrifices for other gods. So too, Yisro thought that the only way to become spiritually connected to a God, to Hashem, is through the sacrifices, through spiritual sacrifices you bring to that God. So therefore Yisro came quickly and he brought Eulah Zvachim. But Yisro never heard of such a thing that you could become spiritually connected to a God through everyday behavior. That was not part of his reality and it was not his experience. Therefore Aaron and the elders, when they saw what Yisro is trying to do, decided that they are going to come with bread and they are going to teach Yisro that even through regular bread, through regular meal, we are able to elevate ourselves in Arachnias as long as we are doing it, as long as we are doing it with the proper intention, with the proper kavana and the proper behavior, we are able to connect the meal like it to be a sacrifice. It would be the same category, the same connection that you do with a sacrifice. You are able to do it with the meal, as the Gemara says, that that the table of a person is able to atone for him. That in Judaism, you're not required to bring specific sacrifices for Hashem in order to connect. You're able to make a connection, even if a simple eating of bread, 
as long as it's done for the right purpose. And Hashem Yisbrach should help that we should try to focus and put Hashem in our lives. Everything we should do should be directed towards Hashem. If we do that, then we'll be better people, we'll have Shalom Bais, we'll have greater spirituality, and we will merit to have Moshiach come, Beis Amikdash rebuild, Bimheiro Bayomeinu, Amen.